This is New Bedford's News Talk Station, the place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSL. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. Welcome back in hour number two of the program here on Tuesday morning. And uh, we are going to be on the road next Tuesday. We're going to be at Rochelle's in Akushnet broadcasting live from there. So hopefully you'll be able to join us. Uh, come on by and have some breakfast next Tuesday morning as we are broadcasting live from there. Also, we will have a special Seize the Deal on sale for you that day as well. So, of course, if you don't check SeizeTheDeal.com every day, you're missing out on a lot of great half-price deals. And we will have one while we are there that will go on sale. You know, we do that when we're out there at these shows, out on the road. We put these special deals on sale. And uh, we have right now at SeizeTheDeal.com, you can get $50 to Uptown Food and Spirits for just 25 bucks. So get on over there and check that out. We also have some deals going on sale very soon, including... I think you're going to like this. $25 to Newport Creamery for just $12.50. You know what that means. It means you can take the awful, awful challenge, right? You can go there. What's it? Drink two, get one free? Okay. All right. Well, we just had a little bit of a blip there. As uh, as the power went out, we switched over to our... Our... Uh, Generator. So let wait for everything else. Sorry, right, no, everything stayed booted up. All right, we're good. We'll be back with you in full strength in just a little bit. But yes, you can get $25 to Newport Creamery for just $12.50. We also have coming soon $50 to Home Plate in Taunton for just $25. And one round of golf at Allendale Country Club for just $27.50. So normally a $55 value, you can get that for Twenty-seven fifty when that goes on sale uh, later on this week. So check out SeizeTheDeal.com to be able to get all of those deals at any given time. Also, uh, I wanted to mention, now. so on Thursday, right, Thursday is the first. On Thursday, Jack Spillane will be here again. He'll be filling in for Barry Richard. Uh, Barry is taking a day off, but Jack will be in for him on Thursday. And when he comes in, he'll talk more about this. But I want to address the column that he has at the New Bedford Light website, newbedfordlight.org. Uh, this column was published, I believe, this morning. Uh, let's see. Uh, yesterday. So, but this column is about Dyer's Field. And it was formerly the home of the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League. And Jack's going to, as I said, he'll talk more about it on Thursday. He's trying to maybe line up some guests to discuss it a little bit more. But... The gist of his column is, you know, when other parks have gotten a lot of love in the city, it seems like Dyer's Field has fallen by the wayside. And that while, while the uh, um, Brooklawn Park has the Whaling City Youth Baseball League facility, which is a fantastic facility, 
Uh, Clegg Field down on the south end has the South End Youth Athletic Association Field, a, another great facility. But Dyer's Field has fallen on hard times and not gotten as much attention. Part of that being that the league is no longer there, but the, the park is about more than just the the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League. So he's, you know, saying, like, we, we need to see more of an investment into it. There's a hope that they can build some new fields there and they can have what's there taken better taken care of, but that, you know, there hasn't been an effort from the city into that field. Now, I can tell you that in all my years of covering youth baseball in the city, and I don't mean this as a slight to the league at all, but the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League was always the the third best of the teams, of, of the leagues. Didn't matter if they had the team that won the city championship or anything. They were looked at upon as like the afterthought. You know, the Whaling City Youth Baseball League was the cream of the crop. And part of that is because it brought in players from other towns. There were players from surrounding towns that went to play at the Whale because that had some of the best talent in the area. And then the SEYAA was not that far below it. And I covered many city championship series over the years where it would come down to those two teams battling it out, the team, the, the league champion from each of those teams battling it out. But the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League just never seemed to, to be on par with those two leagues. And I think part of it was they had some issues with the leadership. They had some issues with the number of volunteers they could get for sure. But I think that it didn't get as much focus and attention as the other two leagues got. Despite having some good teams and really good players over the years. And some some coaches who dedicated their whole lives to mentoring kids within that league. So it, it, to me, it, seem, it seems like there's... A loss. I mean, and maybe the numbers went down. Maybe I don't, maybe I covered this and don't recall, or maybe it happened after my time covering youth baseball was over. But maybe the numbers, the number of kids interested in playing in that league declined so much that it wasn't worth putting on a league anymore. That they could, the kids that did want to play could get to Brooklawn Park and play in, play at the Whale, or they could go to the South End and play in that league, or maybe they went to other leagues somewhere else. But my gut feeling was a lot of those kids came from the housing developments around that field. Because I covered a lot of games. Well, not a lot, but I covered a good amount of games over the years that would take place there. Where you could go and you could have no problem parking the car. There were plenty of spaces. But there were a lot of people at the field. So my inclination is they were all people from the neighborhood who put their kids into that league and that are walking over. And I've done events there. Uh, the, the wrestling organization that I used to work with, House of Bricks, before they closed down, they all of their events were for charity. They, were a non, they weren't registered nonprofit, but they, they put on events not for profit. They would come on and put on a wrestling show for anybody that needed help, that needed to do fundraising, because it gave 
their students a chance to get out and perform in front of a crowd. And the only thing that they asked was that these organizations promoted it and helped out with the run with running it. And in exchange, minus what it would cost to rent the truck to move the ring there, they and what it would cost to rent the ring because they didn't own a ring, they would give the rest of that money to charity, to whatever the group was that put on the event. And so we did, they had, what would they call it? Baseball, I think. Maybe that was the name of the match. But they every year they would put on an event there outside under the lights. And they usually had a big match where you could use any baseball-related equipment as a weapon in the match. But the kids loved it. One time they brought in the guys from Demolition, the former WWF tag team champions, Axe and Smash, Demolition. They brought them in to one of the shows to sign autographs. It was always a big event that brought in a lot of people, but not a lot of cars, because I think a lot of folks walked over from the neighborhood. So maybe those kids decided that they didn't want to play baseball anymore. Maybe they decided to go somewhere else and play. Baseball, of course, was lacking in popularity for a long time. From my understanding, it's come back a little bit in terms of the participation but it was facing a serious challenge from lacrosse for a number of years. And also a challenge of kids just not being interested. That less kids, kids are playing less sports. They might go out and play with their friends in the yard, but they're not interested in getting involved in a league where they have to basically sign up for, you know, two or three months of nonstop being out of the house every single night between practices and games and not every kid wants to make that commitment. Not every parent wants to make that commitment for their kid. You know, my son was involved in youth baseball for a couple of years when he was younger, and then we went to basketball, and uh, he did swimming. We did a, you know, a soccer. We did some of that. He even tried martial arts. And it does get to the point where, yeah, you're out every single night, and not every kid wants that. Not every kid can handle that and still get their homework done. In fact, it's not coincidence that my son became less interested in participating in those sports the more homework that he had to do when he came home. That he would come home, he would do it, and he would say, I, I just don't feel like going tonight after spending two hours doing that homework. And it was tough. I was the coach of his baseball team. I was the manager for a couple of years. And it's hard to say to the kids, like, oh, listen, we have to have a practice. I know that you don't want to have to come back to the field again another night, but we have to have a practice. And so you're doing, what, three games a week, two games of practice? Like, that's it. That's all you're doing. So I'm sure that factors into it for a lot of kids as opposed to being in other sports where, you know, you might play one game a week and have two practices or even one practice. But the interest in that league waned, and now that the league has closed up shop for the past couple of years, there's no attention being given to Dyer's Field. So Jack's column is a very interesting read. I suggest you read it at newbedfordlight.org. He'll talk more about it on Thursday, but I'd like to get your thoughts on it as well. What do you, first of all, if there's no league there, what do you do with that field? Do you turn it into something else? 
Do you make it all soccer fields? Do you put in a pickleball court? Do you put in something else that the kids in the neighborhood may want to use? Why, why do other parks have lighted basketball hoops and this one doesn't? Basketball courts and this one doesn't. You know, there's a lot of questions to be had about, and, and really why isn't that being talked about? Why aren't these plans being put into place? And Jack posits in the column, could it be because it's in one of the lower income neighborhoods? And he, he likens it to when the call was made to build Riverside Park and that there were people that were against that idea. Because why would you want to put a nice, beautiful park like that in a low-income neighborhood? Well, because those folks deserve to have a nice park too. 508-996-0500. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Great. TelevisionTunes.com, William. Now I'm just going to keep playing uh, obscure TV themes from the Doctor Who, for those who don't know it. Uh, so I was talking about the um, article that Jack Splain has at NewBedfordLight.org. Uh, again, which he'll discuss with you more in depth on Thursday when he's here filling in for Barry. Uh, talking about Dyer's Field. And is it time for the city to invest in improving the conditions at Dyes Field, even without the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League playing there anymore. And we got an app chat message from Not Bad in Oak Bluffs, uh, who says, Jack's article on Dyes Field was excellent. However, I wish he would have mentioned who Dyes Field is named for and when it was first constructed. Um, I don't know that off the top of my head. I do know, though, the canteen there that Jack references in the story, Gabby's Canteen, and the story of how that came about. That was... That from uh, Angel Velasquez. His name was Angel Gabriel Velasquez. Everybody called him Gabby. And he was a player for the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League. And uh, a few years, well, I shouldn't say a few years ago, it was over a decade now, he passed away. And uh, if I remember all the details correctly, um, he was asthmatic. And he had an issue where he had a, a, an attack that he couldn't recover from. And so he, he passed away. And they came together and they built the canteen and named it for him. And they had an annual game where on his birthday every year, they would get together at the field and have a pickup game and a special celebration honoring him. And I, I was there the first time that they did it, and I wrote an article about it. In fact, it's, it's an article that I won an award for. And all I did was I was just the conduit for the story that the, that the family had to tell them, the family had to share. But um, it, it was an award-winning story. But Gabby came to the idea of the canteen and all that came together because he was an enterprising young man who actually started his own business. I want to say he was... 13 or 14 when he started the business called Gabby's Italian Ice. He bought a push cart. He sold his own Italian ice. Doing things like the Madeira Feast. I mean, this is a kid that was an enterprising young man. Um, and he passed away at a, at a young age. And so now that canteen is named in his honor. So 
here it is. There's no league. There's no anything happening there for that canteen to, to remain a tribute to him. So what else can they do with Dias Field if, if not the continuation of the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League? Maybe the league gets resurrected. I think that it had a problem before. I may be wrong on this, but I think that it had a shutdown of a few years before and came back. So maybe it does the same again. But the city has to invest in improving that field and making it as much of a, of a gem as Brooklawn and Clegg are. I mean, you go to the Brooklawn facilities there, it, 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 it feels like you're at the Cape League. With the turnout, with the facilities they have, and if you can offer something similar at Dias Field, that might inspire more kids to want to come out and play. Like, no offense toward the Greater New Bedford League and the people that were running it, but it felt like San, Sandlot Baseball. They had the lights. They had the bleachers. But it just didn't feel like it was on par with the others. And so now Jack's positing, well, what are we going to do about it? What do you think? 508-996-0500. You can call in about that. You can also send in app chat messages on the WBSM app. You can send in open line voicemails on the WBSM app. You can also get all of our great content on the WBSM app. And speaking of the question being, you know, who is Dias Field named after, Barry has an article today about who Bishop Stang High School is named after. Obviously, it's named after Bishop Stang, but who was Bishop William Stang? So Barry wrote an article today that gives you some insight into that. And you can you can read that now at WBSM.com and on the app and find out a little bit more about the life of Bishop Stang. And he also has an article, too, that's a, a great piece uh, for the Memorial Day time of Fairhaven Lieutenant Kevin Cobsa from the Fairhaven Police Department sharing the story of his grandfather, who was a World War II vet, and telling his story. So you can check those both out at WBSM.com and on the app. It's always a great place to go to get all the latest news and information, but also a place where you can go to get all the latest news and information is from Kate Robinson in the WBSM newsroom. A deal is in place, but it's not done yet. President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are hitting the phones today to sell the debt ceiling deal they struck to holdouts within their respective parties. Washington Democratic Representative Adam Smith believes Biden has made the right contributions, saying the president did, quote, the best he could do in a difficult situation. But other Democrats like Michigan Rep Debbie Dingell aren't happy about the deal's expanded work requirements for federal food stamp recipients. I feel like we are being held hostage. We should be in regular order. We should never be in this position again. And yet I cannot and will not be a rubber stamp. The House is expected to vote Wednesday on the bipartisan deal that raises the nation's debt limit for the next two years. 
The impeachment trial for Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is set to start no later than August 28th. Twelve House members delivered the articles of impeachment to the state Senate on Monday. Paxton, a Republican, is temporarily suspended after the GOP-controlled Texas House voted overwhelmingly Saturday to impeach him on charges including abuse of office and obstruction of justice. A one-year-old child is among nine people injured in a mass shooting at a Florida beach on Memorial Day. Rory O'Neill reports. Witnesses say bullets started flying after two groups got into an argument near the Broadwalk in Hollywood Beach. An act of violence Mayor Josh Levy calls unacceptable. That I'm saddened and angered that we've had an incident on Hollywood Beach today where innocent bystanders were injured as a result of this shooting. Four of the victims are under 17, the five adults between 25 and 65 years old. One person was taken into custody at the scene while police spent the night looking for a second suspect. I'm Rory O'Neill. Nearly five years after 11 people were shot to death in the Pittsburgh-area Tree of Life Synagogue, the trial of their accused killer starts today. With 12 jurors and six alternates officially seated late last week, proceedings are set to begin in the trial of Robert Bowers. Federal prosecutors are looking for convictions on 63 separate counts in connection with the October 2018 mass shooting. An Iowa apartment complex that partially collapsed Sunday night is set to be demolished today. NBC's Maggie Vespa reports from Davenport. They don't have a count of the missing, but people here on the ground tell us there are absolutely loved ones and relatives who they say were living in that building who they can't find. That being said, officials tell us at this point the cadaver dogs, the search and rescue crews, they have finished their job. Eight people were rescued after the historic six-story six building in Davenport partially collapsed. Davenport Mayor Mike Matson said canine search units left the scene Monday afternoon after working through the night looking for survivors. A dozen horses died during the Churchill Downs Spring track meet, prompting the Horse Racing Safety Authority to hold an emergency summit. It's scheduled for later today and will bring several veteran vet teams together to analyze what happened. The opening bell rings this morning as an abbreviated trading week kicks off. Markets were closed Monday in observance of Memorial Day. As trading wound down last week, Friday saw stocks post solid gains. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 328 points to 33,093. The S&P 500 rose 54 points to 4,205. The Nasdaq jumped 277 points to 12,975. Since the 1940s, there have been more than 126,000 reported UFO sightings in the U.S. Bree Tennis has more. The Pentagon is investigating 650 new cases of unidentified aerial incursion, some spotted by the Navy, some by ordinary people. The National UFO Reporting Center says California tops the list of UFO sightings. They say Canada's had nearly 6,000 sightings. We may see more of them, but Canada's space says their spacecraft hang time is longer, some up to five hours. A study in Toronto shows 65% of Canadians believe in aliens, 34% of Americans do. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. In sports, the Celtics couldn't beat the Heat after becoming just the fourth team in NBA history to force a Game 7. Despite losing the first three games, Boston lost to Miami 103-84. to 
The finals kick off Thursday with the Heat versus the Nuggets in Denver. And the Red Sox take on the Cincinnati Reds at Fenway Park tonight. Now for a look at your local forecast from ABC6. Well, today we're going to be sunny, but a bit hazy. And that's just because we have wildfire smoke moving in from Nova Scotia throughout the day. We do have an onshore wind out of the east. And so that means it'll be cooler along the coastline, but further warmer as we head inland. For us, we're going to be in the mid to upper 60s today. Overnight tonight, low 40s. And for tomorrow, partly cloudy skies, high in the low 70s. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBSM. Right now it is 51 degrees and sunny. I'm Kate Robinson for WBSM News. Stay up to date with WBSM, New Bedford's news talk station, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Woke up this morning with light in my eyes and then realized it was still dark outside. It was a light coming down from the sky. Must be those strangers that come every night. Those saucer-shaped lights put people up tight. Leave blue-green footprints that glow in the dark. I hope they get home all right. Hey, Mr. Spaceman, won't you please take me along? I won't do anything wrong. Hey. Of course you knew that uh, Kate wasn't going to share that story in the news and I wasn't going to have comment on it. But I will say the National UFO Reporting Center that is mentioned in that story, that's where we pull the data from when we have our updates that we publish at WBSM.com and on the app about the UFO sightings in the area. So what that is, just so that people know how they're gathering that information, is they have a database that is devised by people sending in their reports and the person who runs it peter davenport does a pretty good job of trying to if they can get to it and explain it they do so again there's a lot coming in a lot of sightings that are seen but like so if somebody describes or shares photo or video of what is obviously starlink you know they'll put a little notation on about that into the report they'll say you know this this was likely starlink or this was likely a satellite or whatever uh but for the most part a lot of those reports that you see there are things that go beyond just the general light in the sky. And that's why we like to share them with you and, uh, and, and give you an update of some of the ones that happen in the area. Now, again, it's user-generated content. So how much of it is accurate, how much of it is truthful, we don't know. But at least you get a rough idea of what the reports are that are coming in. And that's what the, the National UFO Reporting Center is really good for, is going through and seeing where there are these flaps, these uh, you know multiple sightings in an area in a concentrated amount of time, similarities between the types of craft. And they break down in a lot of their reports what type of craft it is, what shape it is, how long it's seen for, so that you can see those patterns. MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, if you sign up for their monthly newsletter... They'll put out a monthly newsletter where they, again, they're getting reports separately from the National UFO Reporting Center. Just because someone sends it to one doesn't mean they send it to the other. I don't really pay much credence to MUFON, especially when it comes to things in this area, because the Massachusetts chapter of MUFON has not been really on the ball lately. 
when I say lately, like for as long as I've been doing paranormal stuff, so 17 years. But they also, the MUFON site also does collect data and they put out in their newsletter, you know, how many sightings happen by state, how many sightings happen by type of craft. So they really give you some breakdowns of what the reports are that they have coming in. So if you're interested in the topic, you can certainly check out both of those resources, both the National UFO Reporting Center and MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. But I will say this, you don't have to think that it's an alien to think that there's something happening in the skies. I think that there are weird things that happen in the skies. I know that because I've seen them. But I do I think that they're extraterrestrials from another planet? I don't. Do I think it's some sort of phenomena that happens here on Earth that we don't understand? Most likely. Now, I've had sightings from everything from a light in the sky that was moving faster than could be possible and in directions that didn't seem natural to also experiencing something that was, for lack of a better term, um, an object in the sky, like a, a fiery object that wasn't a Chinese lantern. I even had one that, oh, was probably more strange and metaphysical than I'd, I'd, I'd want to say that a UFO sighting was. I, I had this instance where it looked like there was a, a house floating in the sky. The front, and I'm talking about like the front of a house. Like I could see the front door, the porch light, the bay window going into the living room. And as I'm driving down the road, this thing is floating down to kind of meet me at the horizon. But then when I got to the to the bottom of the hill that I was going down, there was no house there. You know, at first I thought it was just a, an odd reflection of my windshield in the middle of the night. And then I just drove around the corner down the main road and I saw some people standing outside a car looking up in the sky. And I pulled over and said, what, what are you looking at? And they said, didn't you see that? There was a, a weird object in the sky. So, you know, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure they're not beings from another planet. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So uh, I'm not any, but you know, by any means an aviation expert, UFO expert, nothing like that. Um, well, last night when I was walking the dogs with my wife, you know, I walk, I usually walk them down to the end of my street as, you know, I right on the water and then I come back. And I'm coming back and I'm looking up in the sky and I see this, it looked like a star. You know, but it was moving. And I was like, I asked my wife, I said, you see that up there? I said, that's, that's, that's moving, isn't it? She goes, oh yeah, it was moving pretty good too at a good pace. And I said, she goes, oh, it's probably just a plane, you know, with the headlights on. And I said, well, if it was moving with the headlights on, it'd be coming towards us. I said, it's moving away from us. I said, and I don't think they have taillights. You know what I mean? Like bright, bright, like headlight taillights, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I'm like, that, <laughs> I said, that's not a plane. And it was far up there in the sky, too. Like, it was far, but it looked wicked bright. And um, I don't know if you're, you know, if you're, like, familiar with, like, the, the planets or nothing, but this whole weekend, I mean, I, I believe it was Venus was extremely bright. Every night, it was like, you, you know, you looked at it, and you're like, wow, that's a planet. And I had that Skylight uh, app on my phone there, the one that, you know, you can, it, it traces all the planets, you know, you just... Yeah, that's pointed at whatever's bright, you know. That's what I use because I I can't really tell in the sky like what's where, so I have to use the sky yeah. map app. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did that, 
you know, every night I seen it, you know, when I brought the dogs for a walk, I pointed it up there. And sure enough, every night it was in the same spot in the sky, but it was wicked bright. I was like, holy crap, that's, you know, pretty close to the to the earth if it's that bright, you know. But it's, um, yeah, no, I, I, I seen it last night, and I said, you know, it's funny that I, I heard Kate the small, not, not Kate, the other the other girl there, um, talking about the, the UFOs. But, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a, uh, uh, in, in, you know, I, I guess you could say it was an unidentified flying object because I, I couldn't figure out what it was, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't for, know if it was a plane or what? But for a lot of folks, they have these experiences and like they 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 get caught up in the moment of what it is, and they don't kind of go through the mental checklist, which is like, okay, is it is it moving? How fast do I think it's moving? How you know? Yeah. And and people always say, well, if people are seeing these things and everybody's got a camera in their pocket, why aren't we getting more on video? The thing is, we do. But the problem is they take right. the video, they look at it, and they're like, well, this doesn't look, this doesn't prove anything. It looks like I just right. pointed my camera up at the sky, and this could be me shaking it more than it could be the object moving. Yeah, and, and, and even if I wanted to grab a, a picture of it, it was so far up there. My camera mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to, to pick that up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I see people. Yeah, it was wild. I see people like with their cameras taking like these incredible pictures of the moon where like you can make out, you know, details and crevices on the moon. But I'm like, but yet when there's a UFO, nobody can pull it out and get that kind of detail on that. So, yeah, there's probably maybe. So and what's funny is the people who do believe that they're extraterrestrials will come up with every excuse to make you continue to believe that. So it's like, well, okay, why haven't we gotten a good quality photo of the moon? Because they don't want you to. Like, come on! I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent in belief that we, you know, we're not the only ones here. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, there's other things out there, but we, it's, and, and I'm sure the government and the, in the Pentagon and everybody else, they all know. You know what I mean? Uh, they all know. They just don't want to tell us. They want to keep us, you know, in check. You know, that, that's, that's my theory on that. But well, I mean, every time I you, say there's no such thing as you know aliens that these aren't beings from another planet, I have to think right. of my co-host Matt Moniz on Spooky South Coast, who claims that he's been abducted by these things. He's been taken aboard craft, so and he's encountered these beings. So I can't, I can't dismiss his experiences or others that I I know and I trust who have had these experiences. Yeah, yeah. There's people out there that that say they've had those extraterrestrial experiences and stuff like that. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but listen, um. To, to, to quickly comment on, you know, I think it was early in the seven o'clock hour. The we were talking about, you know, parents and not having enough time to do the extra extra curricular activities with the kids and the homework and everything. We're we're living in a completely different time than when you know we were kids, Tim. You know what I mean? When, when we put we went outside after we played, you know, after we did our homework, we we still had time outside to go you know, play spud or, you know, you know, like uh, stick ball and stuff like that. It, 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 the times have changed. These kids are so wrapped up in their phones nowadays and their, and their iPads and their computers and stuff. And, you know, just to give you a quick example, I went on, uh, uh, I went on a, a chaperone the field trip for my daughter. She's in third grade. We went to the the, uh, the Plymouth Plantation, mm-hmm. or the Patuxet, what they call it, the Patuxet. Uh, uh, yeah, Plymouth Patuxet you now. You see them now. Yeah, yeah. So um, we went there and... Uh, I got an email the night before that said, you know, just a gentle from the teacher, just a gentle reminder, uh, please leave all um, cell phones and any tech, uh, technological devices uh, at the house. And I said to my wife, I'm like, this is nuts. I'm like, they have to tell third grade parents to keep their third graders from bringing their phones to school for a field trip. I'm like, 
I'm like, this is great. I'm like, and so I asked my daughter, I'm like, how many kids in your class have phones? And she goes, oh, dad, you wouldn't believe. Like, there's probably half, half the kids in my class have phones. And I was like in third grade, though, like, oh, yeah, they got social media. They got Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, the whole nine. I'm so well, what, what, what age is third grade? Is that nine, ten? Yeah, so it's like it's like it's between like nine and ten. So there's some there's some eight 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 year olds there, but they I think it's between eight and nine. Because that's that's about uh, when I got you know that's when we gave my son his first phone. Basically, when he started yeah. going over other kids' houses to play, that's when we we're like, all right, we'll take this phone with you. Like he didn't have it with him all the time, but he had a phone that he could take with him just to text us if he wanted us to come pick him up or something. No, it's it's it's. I guess you could say it's okay. I mean, my my daughter, my oldest daughter, has a phone. Obviously, she, she's fifteen, going on sixteen. But uh, my youngest, you know, she's nine, and she has an iPad, but it stays at the house, and she knows when not to use it and when to use it. But she limits herself. You know what I mean? We we pretty much keep her in check with that. Um, but it's the fact that it, when these kids start getting out of control, and it's like they're glued, their faces are plastered into you know their faces are plastered into these phones. I mean, for decades, media, people like, said the same thing about kids st that just sat and watched TV all day or kids that played video yeah. games or, you know, just watched movies all day or even a kid that just stuck their face in a book the whole time. You know, people yeah. have always been concerned about whether or not the kids have enough balance and they usually turn out fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I had my first Nokia. I know, I know you were talking about that. That's what it brought back a lot of memories. I'm like, oh, man, playing the snake on on, uh, you know, family trips to, like, New Hampshire, and then I end up jumping in the pool with it in my in my pocket. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I just stick it in a bowl of rice to get all the water out of it. Thankfully, uh, I've never fun. dropped mine in the toilet, but I know plenty <laughs> of people who have. Just going to hold yeah, you there because i, I, right. I got to take a break, right, John, but them. thanks for the call. All right, see ya. And uh, callers, hang on. We will get to you. I just got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. And on a day like today, you know, it's a little bit chilly this morning. You might have slept at the windows open and, Woke up and said, well, I got to pull them down a little bit. And then you look and you see, whoa, what are all these bugs doing in here? Uh, they somehow got in through this little hole I didn't even realize was in my screen. Well, that's why you need to call Precision Window and Kitchen, right? Because they can make sure that your windows are ready to stay open all summer long. Whether it be replacing one that's jammed up shut, that won't open easily, you can get that replaced with a brand new window. Maybe you want to get all your windows replaced with a brand new window. Perhaps there's one that's missing a pane of glass. They can come and just add in that glass. Maybe you want to get your screens repaired. Don't bother going to the store and getting that roll and trying to do it yourself and spending all, all that time and energy on it. You can just have Precision Window and Kitchen do it for you, and they will do it right. They've been doing it for over 30, almost 35 years. They've been doing it when all the other guys would take on a job. That's the job that Precision will do. They will do the ones that are too big. They will do the ones that are too small. They will do any job in between. And they can do it all right there in their workshop, right behind their showroom at 1111 Cushion Avenue. That's where they even make the double-pane windows. I've seen them do it. It's incredible the way they make them right there, and then they can bring them right to your home to install them. No middleman, no waiting for stuff. They've got it all right there on hand. So why not call Precision Window and Kitchen? They're the person that everybody else goes to anyway to get everything else. They're the place that everybody goes. If you want to just eliminate all that and deal directly with the people who can get it done, Precision Window and Kitchen is the place to go to. Check them out online, precisionwindowandkitchen.com. Again, you can stop by their showroom at 1111 Cushion Avenue in New Bedford or see everything you need to see right there and reach out for a quote at precisionwindowandkitchen.com. Let's take a call here before we have to take one final break. Good morning. You were on WBSM. 
Hi, Tim. I love it when one of your callers calls up and starts talking very philosophically about today versus like yesteryear. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm of a certain age and I'm 73. And I remember growing up in the, a very like established neighborhood where everyone knew the neighbors. And after supper, the moms would like wash dishes by hand and we'd all go outside to play and get eaten alive by mosquitoes. And the fathers would either water the lawn, but it was a wonderful way to grow up because if you were a kid, you got to hear little snatches of adult conversation, like they'd sit on the porch and talk. Mm -hmm. And those are some of my best childhood memories. And just thinking that someday I'll be like a grown up and I can talk like that. So some of your best childhood memories were eavesdropping. I get it. I'm just kidding. And that explains an awful lot. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, I grew up listening to my, you know, the family conversations around my grandmother's dining room table. And I made it a point to say when I'm, when I'm older, I get to say all those same words. So for me, it was a little bit different. Well, I grew up with my grandparents living on the second floor. And my grandmother had to probably be the most patient woman in the whole world. And she'd spend hours scratching our bags. We thought we were in heaven. Yeah. So, but I hear you talk about your grandparents, and it brings back a lot of memories. Well, I will continue doing so, and we'll continue taking phone calls from others as well. Okay, take care. You as well. Have a great day. Uh, We. We do have to take our final break of the hour. We'll be back in a few moments. And we're just about out of time for this hour, but stay tuned. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to have a couple of guests that will be joining us. First, at the beginning of the hour, we'll talk with Dr. Craig Craig Moores of South Coast Health. We're going to learn a little bit more about plastic surgery as part of Your Health Matters. And then later on in the 8 o'clock hour, after the 8.30 news, we'll be joined by... Uh, someone from Mass Wildlife. And again, when we want to talk about bears, we want to go to the best possible source. So we have joining us Dave Waddles. He is the black bear and fur bearer biologist for Mass Wildlife. He's going to join us to talk about, you know, was the bear last week that was reported everywhere, was it the same bear? Were there multiple bears? And should we expect more bear sightings in the future? What does it mean for the bear population in the area? Are there bears that are here or are they just visiting? We'll find out all of that and more with Dave Waddles coming up in the next hour as well. So if you have bear questions that you want to send in, send them on in over on the WBSM app. Open it up, use the app chat button, send it in right there. Or if you don't have the app chat, uh, if you don't have the app downloaded yet, what are you waiting for? Just go to your app store and download it now, and then you can get in there to the app chat and send in your bear questions. And if you still don't have the uh, the app and know where to get